The following audio presentation is from Parkwood Baptist Church. The purpose of Parkwood Baptist Church is to glorify God by laboring together for the growth of all believers while going with the gospel to all peoples. More information about Parkwood Baptist Church is available at parkwoodonline.org. That's parkwoodonline.org. invite you to take a Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. If you didn't bring one, there's under a chair uh, in front of you. Uh, we're on page 953 in the chair Bible. You'll also notice on the back of the chair a guest card. that uh, You could take that card, fill it out if it's your first time uh, with us as a guest, or maybe you've never let us know that you've been worshiping with us. You could fill out the information and put that in the offering plate. That'll let us know that you are here with us today. There is one thing I want to make sure you noticed in the info guide that the name of Bill Napier has been put forward in nomination for uh, an elder. He has been through a year-long process of preparation and testing with our elders, and we now confidently present him to you as a candidate, but that does not make him an elder. Uh, The next step of the process is a letter-writing phase to where you would communicate to us in writing either your affirmation that you think Bill would be a good elder and why, or if you have any concerns or knowledge as to how he would negate himself of serving in this office, you are compelled as a member of this local church to let us know at this stage before it progresses to him being placed forward for a vote as a church. It must be done in writing though. We're not just gonna take that verbally. Uh, You'll have to share and communicate with us in writing, and that stands welcome and open. We're also open for nominations to serve in the office of deacon, and it tells you in the info guide how to communicate those things. We take seriously as a church the Word of God in every facet of what we do, and we take it seriously each week as we come to this moment to where we preach and share from the Bible. So I invite you to stand to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, is read by Joseph. First Corinthians two, verse six. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. Although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept these things of the spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so that as to instruct him? But we 
have the mind of Christ. Let us pray. Father, God, we are so thankful for the way that you have loved us in the cross and for the way that you have loved us by giving us your spirit that we may know you. God, we confess that if you do not reveal yourself to us this morning through the preaching of your word and through the hearing of your word, what we are doing this morning is in vain, but praise be to God, for you have poured out your spirit among your people that we may see you and know you. So will you be glorified amongst us this morning? Yes. We praise you and we worship you. We pray that you will be exalted in the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So when I was a child, way back when, Charlie Brown was a cartoon that I loved. It didn't come on on Saturday mornings. Charlie Brown only came on every once in a while in the evening. And I wasn't going to miss Charlie Brown because I love the Charlie Brown cartoons. One of the things I loved is Charlie Brown's teacher. She sounded like mine. Wah, 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 wah. You remember? If you have no idea what I'm talking about, Google it. You'll find it on YouTube. Charlie Brown and his classmates sitting in class. Wah, wah. Now I realize this happens some while I'm preaching. <laughs> but here's the real question for us today. Why, and we're presupposing something, that someone's preaching and teaching the word of God. Why, when someone is preaching and teaching faithfully the word of God, why do some people hear wah, 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 wah. And other people hear life. Well, brothers and sisters, the answer is not the skill of the preacher. The answer is the work of the Spirit. So here's the main idea of this text. Imparting and accepting the wisdom of God is the work of the Holy Spirit, both in and through those who proclaim and those who hear. If you interpret this text naturally, from a mere human perspective, you're going to interpret it wrongly. This text requires what this text is teaching. This will not be understood apart from the Holy Spirit. That God's wisdom has been granted to believers. But that wisdom has not been discovered by believers. It has been revealed to them by the Holy Spirit. Now there's a shift that's happened. As we studied through chapter 1 into the beginning of chapter 2, even though the word wisdom was used, it was held in contrast to the foolishness of the gospel. Now Paul turns and talks about the gospel as the wisdom of God. That God's wisdom now is developed in contrast between how Christians and non-Christians see it. So we're going to think today and we're going to 
we're going to study and see today about the imparting or the communicating of the wisdom of God and the accepting or the receiving of the wisdom of God. So let's first think about imparting the wisdom of God is the work of the Holy Spirit. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of of this age who are doomed to pass away. Now, I'm going to be a little bit slower than I normally am. I, I try to faithfully teach the text, but there's some really crucial things. If you get crossed up in your mind, you're going to miss the whole meaning. So my first question is, who are we? Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. In the immediate context of the letter, as it is written, Paul is talking about himself and the apostles. Those who were the original people to communicate the gospel of Christ. Those in whom the Holy Spirit spoke through in the writing of the Bible, the New Testament, of the Scripture. So we know in this immediate context, as he's talking to the believers, to the church at Corinth, he's talking about himself and the apostles. However... We have to now apply the we to believers today who proclaim the gospel of God. Then we got to answer this question. This is really the big crucial question of this verse. Who are the mature? So who's he talking about here? I think our mind immediately, because this word mature is used other places in the scripture, I think our mind immediately goes to think of a different class of Christian. You got the immature Christian and the mature Christian. Now, Paul's going to, he's going to approach it that way later. In fact, in chapter three, he doesn't use the exact words, but he's drawing a distinction between immature and mature. But that's not what he means right here. You say, well, I'm not sure I agree with you. There are others who would not agree with me. But I think the mature means something very distinct because of the context of this passage where it falls. He says, among the mature, we do impart wisdom. Although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age, who are what? Doomed to pass away. Now, who are doomed to pass away? Non-Christians, right? So if you draw the distinction between those who are doomed to pass away and the mature, then the mature is talking about Christians. He said, well, I'm still not convinced. Let's go down to verse 12. In verse 12, he says, now we, different we, he's talking about the Christians at the church. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. Who has received the Holy Spirit? How many of them? All of them. All Christians have received the Holy Spirit. So when you put all this together in the context, when he's talking about the mature here, he's talking about Christians. He's also drawn a distinction culturally with them, which I'm not going to take the time to press into at this moment. So we impart the wisdom of God to all believers, and we do it by the work of the Holy Spirit. Verse 7, we impart, communicate, use words. We impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. 
So you got to ask a question. Is this secret and hidden wisdom of God secret and hidden to the believer? Let's go somewhere else in the Bible and answer it. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 9, he says, Making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ. This mystery, this thing which was not clear, which was not clearly seen, is now made clear in Christ. In Colossians 1.27 he says, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. So, so what was mysterious or unclear to the Jewish people, which has now been made clear in Christ, it's not only been made clear to the Jewish people in the Old Testament. It's now been made clear to the Gentiles, to the pagans who weren't seeking God at all. He's made it clear in the mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So the wisdom of God has been revealed, embodied, and made alive to us in Christ Jesus. Now this is a quote. It is important to note that the mystery of which Paul speaks here is not something additional to the saving message of Christ crucified. It is in Christ crucified that the wisdom of God is embodied. It consists rather in the more detailed unfolding of the divine purpose summed up in Christ crucified. We, that is Christians, we never move on from the cross. We only move into a more profound understanding of the work of Christ on the cross. Let me give you an example. He ends here in this verse, which is Christ in you, the hope of of glory. What does that mean? Christ in you, the hope of glory. He's not going to explain this until he gets to chapter 15. In chapter 15, he's going to unfold the implications of the resurrection and of the coming of Christ and of our glorification, which is going to transpire in and through us that which is with, which is to come. But how does he begin chapter 15? Christ died for us according to the scripture. Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. He was buried. He was raised on the third day according to the scripture. He's never leaving and we never leave the cross of Christ. We just move into a more profound understanding of the cross. Verse nine, as it is written, so he's going to quote from the Bible now, from the Old Testament, what no eye has seen nor ear heard nor the heart of man imagined. What God has prepared for those who love him. Now he's quoting here from Isaiah chapter 64, verse 4. Now if you go and study Isaiah 64, what, what the Bible is revealing in this chapter, really you can argue all of Isaiah, but in this chapter, he's revealing the uniqueness of God's salvation. So if anybody ever says to you, all religions are the same. Christianity's like all other religions. We're just trying to find a way to get to God. That's a false statement. That's a natural statement because Christianity is not like all religions. Christianity is not about how you get to God. It's how God came to you. That God sent his only son. It's unlike any other religion in the world. And God has made this known. He has made it known to us. It is revealed in his plan 
for salvation and in the fulfillment of salvation in Jesus Christ the Lord. Now, who has God prepared this for? For those who what? Love him. Now let's, let's make sure, Paul's just doing something shocking here. The, the, the tenor of the text, and what he's talking about, he's talking about wisdom, right? You would think he would say this right here. What God has prepared for those who understand him. That's not what he says. It's what God has prepared for those who love him. So the ultimate for why God has revealed himself in Christ, the ultimate reason is not that you would understand him. Now, does God want you to understand him? Yes. But God wants you to understand him so that you will love him. God's plan of salvation is ultimately for his glory that we who had fallen short of his glory because of our sin had turned away from God, now have been redeemed and brought back so that we might love God and be restored to this relationship and we might worship him. So this is revealed to those who would love him. Now our love for God is dependent on the work of the Holy Spirit. Verse 10 it follows verse 9. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Now Paul is not saying here that there's a group of Christians that can claim to receive something more hidden than others see. He's saying to have received the revelation of Christ crucified is what it means to be a Christian. So only God's spirit apprehends God's plans and purposes and only God's spirit can link together our understanding of who God is and what God has done and our human ability of understanding which is superseded by the work of the Holy Spirit. You say, I don't know what you just said. Let's make it simple. Let's go to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. Jesus is about to leave. Now you've had the Son of God with you. You, the disciples. He's shown you what to do. He's, he's taught you how to do it. Now he's leaving. He's told you he's leaving. He's leaving through the cross and ultimately through the ascension to the right hand of the Father. But he makes a promise. He makes a promise to these disciples and to us. When the Spirit of truth comes, verse 13 of chapter 16, he will guide you into all the truths, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, therefore I said, he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So let's just be very simple here. The Holy Spirit is a, the essential source of the revelation of God. Apart from the Holy Spirit, there is no Bible. Now, some of you have been taught and think the Holy Spirit works outside of the Bible. The Holy Spirit works through the revelation of the Bible. He makes known to us what God has revealed through his word, which the Spirit of God inspired people to write. Now this Holy Spirit-inspired Bible then 
only can be understood through the essential means of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has to give us understanding of the Bible. And through the work of the Holy Spirit, we come to accept the revelation of the Bible. Now, a lot of you were probably around Christian things before you became a Christian, right? Several of you. Do you remember when all of a sudden you opened the Bible and it was like, wow, this isn't boring. This is life. There's something there. Now watch what I'm about to do here. Some of you say, well, I've been in church my whole life and the Bible's still like that. Now listen to me. I say this lovingly and I say this kindly that may say something about whether or not you're a Christian. Because if the Holy Spirit has opened your eyes to see your need for salvation through Jesus Christ alone, he has opened your eyes. And part of opening your eyes is you would see the things of the word. Does that mean you're going to understand it perfectly immediately? No, that's not what I mean. But it does mean when you open the Bible, you see things there and the spirit of God takes those things and applies them to your heart and you accept them because accepting the wisdom of God is the work of the Holy Spirit. Verse 11. For who knows a person's thought except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now I'm just going to tell you how a preacher will think you're weird. I'm giving you some advice here. You say, well, I think preachers are weird. That's fine. But here's how a preacher is going to think you're weird. This has happened more than one time and more than two. It's happened a bunch. People come up to me and this is basically how the conversation goes. Well, God's given me the gift of discernment. So pastor, you just need to understand. I understand what people are thinking and you really need me a part of leadership because I understand how people are really thinking in their mind. That is not the gift of discernment that you know what people are thinking. That's an antithesis of what the Bible just says because who knows what they're thinking? The person, not you. You may think you know, you may get a little insight into part of what they think, but you don't know what they're thinking. Now here's what he's saying. He's pressing this further. We think we know what God's thinking. We think we know what God ought to do. And he's saying here, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. You're not going to understand what God has said in his word apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. Verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. So what has God freely given us? He has freely given us his word. And his word is centered, just like I did with the kids, showing the light up there on the cross. His word is centered on the word made flesh. The word is centered on the word Jesus Christ, who dwelt among us, and we have beheld his glory full of grace and truth who lived a sinless life and died a sinner's death in our place. Not that he ever sinned. He was the sinless sacrifice who died for us, who took the penalty of our sin, died and was buried, and three days later he rose again. But that's not the finished story. He has now ascended. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. He is making intercession for his people. We're not a defeated people. Let's quit living like we're defeated people. We're Holy Spirit indwelled 
Christ interceding people. And this Christ one day is going to get up and he's going to come again. And he's going to make all things new. And the spirit of God dwells in us that we might understand these things and that we might communicate these things. When I was a youth pastor years ago, about once or twice a year, some other pastor would find out about what was going on here in our student ministry and he would send his youth minister down to find out what we were doing. And these guys would call me and say, my pastor wants me to come. He wants to see what you're doing, man. So, you know, I want us to come and take notes. I said, it's real simple. I can save you a trip. We worship and I stand up and teach the Bible. I teach it in a short fashion. I don't talk a long time, but I just teach the Bible. That's it. And young people are growing and young people are getting saved. That's what happens. <laughs> so they would come. And this would be the same thing after everyone. After it was over, I'd say, so what do you think? They'd go, I don't know. You just stood up and taught the Bible. Yep. Why would I do that? I didn't do it boring. I, 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 I tried to do it appropriately. But here's what I believed. I've believed this since I came to faith. I believe the Bible. And I believe that God said, we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. My job is not to convince the unconvinced. Your job is not to convince the unconvinced. Our responsibility is to make the word of God known. Our responsibility is to make the gospel known. For how shall they know unless they hear? The answer is they won't. But once they hear, whose work does it now become? The Spirit. We use His words. We impart them. We impart the Spirit's words the way the Spirit intended them to be imparted. And we trust the Spirit to make it known. Turn to Matthew chapter 16. So Jesus gathers with his disciples at Caesarea Philippi. He's way away from Jerusalem. He's way away from the center of Jewish thought here. Now I'm sure there was a synagogue in Caesarea Philippi, but people didn't go there for the synagogue. They went because there was this massive monument to a pantheon of false gods. And when I was there is when I understood what Jesus was doing. It's imposing. If you're in Caesarea Philippi, you cannot help but see it. So standing there with this pantheon of false gods, Jesus asked a question to his disciples. Who do people say that I am? They said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Let's just add a modern phrase. They say you're a great teacher. That's who they think you are. He said to them, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter speaks up. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. What's he saying? You're the one that all the Bible points to. You're it. Jesus does not say, wow, Simon, you went to Sunday school and you really paid attention. 
wow, Simon, you are really smart. The rest of you guys need to learn from Simon. Simon's the brightest one in this crowd. No. Here's what he said to him. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Explanation party. You see that? You're blessed, Simon. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. God made you see this. There's not a one of you who have been saved that God didn't make you see it. And none of you will ever be saved until God makes you see it. Wah, 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 wah. I'm at this point preaching in the last service and there's a lady asleep on her husband. <laughs> the bird lady sat behind him and said, she came up to me and said, I just want you to know I don't think you're boring. I'm not worried about it. Listen, I mean it. I don't, I don't go to bed at night wondering if you think I'm boring. Here's what I go to bed at night, tonight. Lord, was I faithful to teach your word? Did I stand trusting in the bark of the Holy Spirit to impart the word of God to the people of God? And I confess this. I've gotten my flesh more than one time. More than once. But here's the truth that I always come back to. Verse 14. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Let's say I'm speaking Spanish today and you're all English speakers. We're going to need an interpreter. If we don't have an interpreter, you're not going to know what I'm saying. You may pick up on a word or two. Here's what I know. Even though we're all speaking English right now, we need an interpreter. I need an interpreter that I might rightly divide the word of truth. Let me just say this to you. Everybody who preaches and teaches, you have a Holy Spirit obligation to get in private and rightly divide the word through the leadership of the Holy Spirit that you might rightly preach it. He doesn't give you a word in the moment. He has given you his word. And we're to rightly divide his word. But when you rightly divide it, you're trusting in the work of the Holy Spirit to translate that into people. Me and another guy were talking about going to England and about being on the hop-on, hop-off bus, you know, those double-decker buses in England. You're riding around on the top. There's usually a, a tour guide on there, somebody telling you what you're going by and that kind of thing. And they're really concerned that you not stand up, particularly on that top level, because when they hit the brakes, you're going down. And on every bus, they're foreigners. And there's one particular group of foreigners who don't, as soon as the bus starts slowing down, they're trying to rush to the front, all right? And the tour guide would continue to do this. If you ever go over there, he'll do the same thing. He'll say, He'd say, okay, you need to remain seated until the bus comes to a full stop. Please remain seated. And then our tour guide did this. He said, and if you don't understand what I'm saying, just stand up. <laughs> and then he said this, you're going to anyway. Hear me. In your own natural flesh, you're going to do what you're going to do anyway. Unless the Spirit of God opens your eyes and compels your heart, you will continue in your path. Because the natural person does not discern what is spiritual. 
Now let's press the natural person further because it's what Paul does. The natural person can't bother us. That's what he means in verse 15. The spiritual person judges all things. He means all things in the Bible. A person with the spirit of God can understand the things of God. Everything that God has revealed, they can understand. They may understand it more fully at other times, but they can understand it. But he himself is judged by no one. So in other words, when a non-believer, a natural person gives us a hard time or speaks negatively or questions what we believe, we don't stand in judgment to them. We stand under the authority of the Bible and what God has revealed and through the Holy Spirit, we're not listening and answering to the natural person. We answer to God. People say to me regularly, aren't you afraid to say that when you preach? No, because I don't fear you. I fear God. I'm going to answer to God for every word I say. Every one. And I'm not going to cow to human beings who want me to say something their natural person wants to hear. We are compelled to communicate what God has communicated. Well, you know, I think it's outdated. All right, verse 16, I got a question for you. For who understood the mind of the Lord to instruct him? God didn't ask you whether or not it was outdated. He's not concerned about what your modern sensibilities think about it. God didn't come to human beings and say, hey, tell me what I need to say and write and do in the world. Isaiah 40, 13 is what he's quoting here. It says, who has measured the spirit of the Lord or what man has shown him counsel? Whom did he consult and who made him to understand? The answer is nobody did. But we think we're smart. We think we got better insight. We're kind of like my 10-year-old son, Jacob. He's not 10 anymore. Jacob was about 10 years old and his mama dropped him off to office. My, my practice when my kids were little, my office was open. Unless I was in a private counseling conversation, the rest of the staff that worked with me knew my kids were welcome. They had toys in my office and they were welcome to come in. And Jacob comes bounding up in the office and me and another pastor were talking about something, but it wasn't something of any kind of cataclysmic nature. We were trying to decide something. Jacob comes in and he plops down. Jacob's always been bigger in life. He plops down on the couch and says, so what you doing? So I told him what we were discussing. He sat there and listened for a minute. He said, well, I think you ought to do that. Da, 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 da. Me and the pastor looked at each other and went, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. <laughs> to which Jacob said, well, what's next? <laughs> later, that night, later that night at home, he said, dad, anytime you want me to drop by, I'm here to help. We think, we think we understand things. We're just a child. Play him around with the things of God until we understand this. Don't miss this. We have the mind of Christ. Wow. That's his conclusion. We have the mind of Christ. That means this great God who's not been cons didn't consult anybody, this great God who could not be understood has made himself known through his word, through the incarnate word, through the power of the spirit, and he has given us the mind of Christ. 
that this has got to translate into our lives. It has to. So, so here's my question for you today. Here's the so what. Am I trusting in the wisdom of this age or the Holy Spirit? You say, for what? What, is, what does that question mean? Here's my answer. Are you trusting in the wisdom of this age or the Holy Spirit to figure it out? You say, well, what's it? I don't know. For you, what is it? Salvation, your career, whether or not you ought to get married, how you solve the problems in your family. How do you figure it out? Do you go the wisdom of this age? Or do you trust the Holy Spirit through the word of God? When it comes to communicating the gospel with someone who you know is lost, let's think about the person who's your one now that we're praying for, want to present the gospel. How do you come to do that? Do you operate out of the world and do it the way the world would do it? Or do you do it the way God would have you do it? In Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit descends on the day of Pentecost. Peter rises and preaches in the power of the Holy Spirit. And when he finishes, the people cry out to him, cut to the heart, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter says, repent and be baptized, each one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Listen to this. Everyone whom the Lord God calls to himself. What Peter understand right there. They're not responding to me. They're responding to God. Everyone whom the Lord God calls to himself. How shall they know unless they, they won't? Peter had to preach that day so they would hear. But the Holy Spirit had to move that they might be saved. So when you open your mouth to share the gospel of God with believers or non-believers, trust the Holy Spirit. Trust in him to do his work. Now, here's what I'm afraid of. Here's what I'm afraid of. So I'll use my, use my iPad for a moment. Let's pretend I got a social media pulled up right now. Is, is the gospel just a post? Now the gospel might compel you to go like or it may so move you that you repost it. Then what's next? Folks, we live in an age where people have an opinion about everything and where people are moving from one thought to the next this quick. This is why I don't think you ought to use your phone for your Bible because you're probably prone to do this while I'm preaching. Now, it could be because I'm boring, but it's also playing into the way your modern mind works. I wonder how many of us have diverted the work of the Spirit because we've gotten on our phone. I don't just mean right now. I mean privately and personally. The enemy will own you more than one way. Now, did I say the enemy was up to, to the cell phone, that it was an enemy tool solely? Is that what I just said? It can be, though. God has chosen a means for the gospel to go forward. Now this goes back to the late 80s. Video was just becoming something. 
MTV had just started using music videos. And I went to a conference where a preacher was preaching and he made this statement. He said, preaching may not be the most effective method of communication, but it is God's chosen method. Opening your mouth and proclaiming the gospel may not be the most hip method in the world, but it is God's chosen method. That we make it known. And when we make it known, we are trusting in the work of the Spirit of God to open our eyes. It is because the Spirit has opened our eyes that we see Christ. It is because of the Spirit of God that we see ourselves and that we are undone by what Christ has done and who we are and we cry out to him by faith and we believe. It is by the Spirit of God that we linger over the gospel and the word of God and see who God is and what Christ has done and because of the work of the Spirit, we rejoice in him and we long for him. So brothers and sisters, it is my prayer that we not just be spirit-led in the moment of preaching, that we would be spirit-led people as we rise and go from here, as we open our mouth, and that we would be spirit-led people as we rise to rejoice. Let's pray. Father, I plead now. I plead for the man or woman whom you've opened their eyes today to the gospel and their need for you. I pray they will not depart from this place without letting that be known, that you've caused them to see the need. For those who have seen, Lord, I pray now that they would rejoice that they would praise you as we unfold the gospel through these songs. That our hearts would give rise and express our love for you to you. Move among us now, we plead and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this audio presentation from Parkwood Baptist Church, located in Gastonia, North Carolina. Please feel free to share this message with others. For more information about Parkwood Baptist Church, visit parkwoodonline.org. That's parkwoodonline.org.